Oh yeah, we are live. <laughs> <laughs> we are so professional here. Totally scheduled. Welcome back to Switchcast Live. We're happy to have you here. I'm excited to be here with you tonight. We are doing a Q&A tonight. I love answering questions. That is one of the main reasons I started this show was to, and I'm going to quote my little cliche tagline, but to answer your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life. So we're going to be answering your automotive questions, whatever they may be tonight. We have a few lined up to go, but we have a really special prize tonight that a lot of people are interested in. This is the Redenzo DS1. This is one of the best radar detectors on the market, and it has the coveted and must-have GPS lockout feature. So if you're looking to go try your own cannonball, but you have a very small budget, you might win this tonight. So to win, you must be watching live, and you may call in live, or post your question in the comment flow of wherever you're watching live. Don't just call in to call it. But if you have a legitimate question and our call screener, Ethan Huffnagel, picks your question as the best one, we're going to do that so there's no nepotism here. I don't know who's going to win. I don't get to choose. And it, if it happens to be somebody like Mark Spence, then that that asked it under an alias then that's ethan's fault so nobody can uh, nobody can blame me and even if they do i don't really care so anyway this was uh provided to us uh by john dandro uh from redenzo radar he was on the show a couple weeks ago answering our questions about the nuances of radar detectors it was a really informative episode for me especially and i know you guys loved it as well so <coughs> If you want to, if you miss that one, go back and rewatch it. If you have any interest in trying to avoid speeding tickets, keyword avoid the police, not elude the police. One is legal, the other one will very much end you up in jail. Same thing with taxes, avoiding versus eluding. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so you must be watching live, you must ask your question live by commenting or calling in and you must be uh the old saying you must be present to win virtually so uh at the end of the show we'll pick a winner and uh hopefully they're still watching live and they'll take home a redenzo ds1 so uh we're gonna get just about right into it uh, i wanted to highlight a couple things that were in the automotive news this week first and discuss those uh the biggest thing um this is a sad thing sort of right so a couple weeks ago a few weeks ago i had a scam week and i called out mclaren charlotte for some of their shady business practices with a mint green gt3 i got a lot of flack for that mostly from car dealers who seemed to be shady and wanted to protect other shady car dealers there's, there's a lot of that in this business uh seemed they were scared of the truth but and and people say that you shouldn't knock your competition and i agree to a point you should not knock your competition as a means of getting ahead if somebody comes in and says hey why should i use you guys but wow those other guys down the road suck right that is not a good look however if a competitor is actively engaging in 
unscrupulous business practices or fraud, I think there is a good professional way of making those things known. And I think it's important to the industry because typically within the industry, we have an inside look or we know a lot sooner about what's going down. And if we can protect consumers, even protect fellow dealers from getting screwed over, then I think the truth needs to be made known. There's an important distinction between the truth and hearsay, between the truth and just, well, I'm going to make crap up about another dealer because I don't like them. But, you know, CNC, most people in the industry, CNC Exotics, who is a big car dealer in Upland, California, that went, that upended, uh, and we all know about that story, millions and millions of dollars taken from investors, taken from customers, good lesson to never invest in a car dealer if an established car dealer is asking to loan asking you to loan the money that's uh what's what's the comedian the redneck comedian there's your sign larry the cable guy larry larry the cable guy yes there's your sign right so if uh if you're doing business with a business if you're a customer and they ask you to be an investor run um Let's see. So everybody knows about CNC Exotics. Um, But this week, Excel Auto Group in Boca Raton, Florida, went down, up in a ball of flames, down in flames, up, down, whatever you want to call it. They filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy protection, claiming that they have between zero and $50,000 in assets. Amazing. They had an incredible building, which they didn't own. They rented it. Uh, pretty impressive service facility. My buddy Dave Marr was actually having his Ferrari 550 uh, worked on there, thankfully, before all this went down. Uh, but they owe between 10 and $50 million to creditors. I I don't even know how you get there. Um, I, I mean, I know how you get there. You, It's a series of bad decisions, starting with being okay with debt as a means of advancing yourself in this business, which is a very, very volatile business. Um, Man, (sighs) I don't know where to go from there. But um, typical with these types of businesses, they owe a bunch of consigners money. So they sold cars uh, with or without consigners permission, but then never paid them. Uh, I've, I've heard of dealers doing that before Lamborghini Las Vegas, not the current Lamborghini Las Vegas, but before they went under in 2009, when a lot of dealers went under, uh, they were doing that. They basically sell a consigner's car and then they had so much overhead and they couldn't sell their own inventory that they would use the proceeds from the consigner's car, not the profits, but the, you know, the gross sale price to pay their overhead. And I had a customer who sold a Stradale through them and he went to pick up his check and they said, I'm sorry, we can't pay you this week because we used your money to make payroll. That is that is not a good plan. You should operate your business on cash and you should not friggin' use other people's money to pay your bills. I mean, that's that's the old contractor trick. You get a deposit for a house and you spend it all like it's profit. Anyway, th- these car dealers are notorious for doing this crap. Between 10 and $50 million to creditors, probably more that's going to come out. Um, 
I don't have a whole lot more to comment on this than I already did when CNC went down. Just be really friggin' careful who you do business with. Um, one good metric I've found is if you're doing business with a car dealer, find out whether or not they took a PPP loan. So this is not to brag. This is just a statement, partly of principle. We did not take a PPP loan. And we had no idea at the beginning of the pandemic what was going to happen with our business. We thought it was going to be like 2008, 2009. Like our cars were going to tank in value and sales were going to dry up and we just have to ride out the storm. But I was okay with that because we're not highly leveraged because we owned our inventory cash and we could do that. Um, so I made a principal decision that I was not going to take money from the government whether or not it would be forgiven because I didn't need it and I did not want to be beholden to the government. The Proverbs say that the borrower is slave to the lender and I don't want to be a slave to the government. Uh, there's, there was a lot of provisions and restrictions and strings put in the original, the, the, uh, the bailout bill from 2009, especially on banks and commercial buildings and all sorts of people who got government money and they then had to do things the way the government wanted. They no longer were in control of their own business and I did not want the government as my boss. So I made the decision not to take PPP funds. Now, in hindsight, I didn't need to anyway because the car business had about two weeks of uh, a doldrums and then it just went gangbusters and kept going gangbusters so any car dealer that needed those funds was probably in trouble already so i'm not saying that every car dealer that took ppp funds is bad or went under or should go under anything that's not the case probably a lot of people took it preemptively just because their cpas told them to but the two things I've found in common between CNC Exotics and Excel Auto Group is they both took massive PPP loans. So Excel Auto Group took a PPP loan of $262,000 to make payroll. That's a lot of friggin' payroll, especially when most of your guys are commission. Most of their team is sales guys. They make commission. If they don't sell any cars, they don't make any money. So they don't have any payroll that they have to make. So... There's there's a problem. They like debt. They took debt from the government. Probably got it forgiven, but that was the the very very least of their problems. They owe a lot of people money. Um, I don't know what the best tip is. If you're consigning with a dealership, you can't even say that you have to check their Google reviews or, or hope they've been around for a while or whatever. Because CNC has been around forever. They had a perfect reputation online. I would just say you hang on to the title until they give you certified funds, period. Um, because that's your ownership document. If they sell your car and release your car, you have some claim against it. But even then, there was a, a case a long time ago, 10 or 15 years ago, with a, a, a consignment dealer out in Washington where they sold a bunch of cars on consignment, never had titles, and the rightful owners of the car uh, tried to file injunctions to get possession of their cars back and the court ruled in the buyer's favor because they said the buyers made a good faith transaction and because the sellers 
allowed their cars to be consigned and signed the consignment contract, even though they never approved the deal or signed off on the title, they had essentially released interest in the car and allowed the dealership to sell the car. So they didn't have a criminal claim against the dealership. They only had a civil claim and those civil claims went away because they filed bankruptcy. So these dealers, if, if I don't know if it's, it's on purpose, if it's planned, but these dealers have figured out the shady ones have figured out a way to scam people and not go to jail. And it's really, really sad that that's, that's possible to do that. They can file bankruptcy and protect themselves from what should be fraud. Now I'm not an attorney. I'm sure some attorneys could comment on this better, but, um, yeah, be careful with consignment. That's, that's all I'll say. And we do consignment, but we pay our consigners and, that's it. I don't know. Ask, ask to see your the financial statements of the dealer you're doing business with before you send your car there. I don't know. I it, Whatever you need to do to protect yourself, you need to do. So, okay, that's enough about Excel Auto Group. Um, one, yeah, okay. We're just going to go to some questions here. Um, Mark, start us off. This first question is from Tyote, and it's a long one. Doug, I would like to say that I enjoy your content on all platforms. But I can't. <laughs> I've had a question for some time, and after your radar detector episode of SwitchCast, it still remains. I hear you, Ed, Arnie, and others talk about laser jammers quite often, and I'm curious about their purpose or intentions. Is their only purpose to prevent a laser from getting an accurate reading on your speed? In my personal experience with police, the lack of an accurate reading of speed from an electronic device will not prevent you from being pulled over. Typically, the officer would quote some form of made-up tracking via eyesight when presenting you with a ticket. I realize that this could easily argued by a lawyer and be dismissed in, a, in court, but that doesn't change the fact that you were stopped and lost time in any attempt to get somewhere quickly. So is the purpose of a laser jamber simply to eliminate any viable proof that you were speeding Saving points and fines. Looking forward to your answer. All right, Ty. That is a very good question or series of questions. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the first question is, yes, the only purpose of a laser diffuser is to prevent the police from getting an accurate reading on your speed. Now, you're right. Some cops will visually estimate your speed and they will pull you over for that. And depending on the state, they can, in some states, Ohio being one of them, ticket you based on their visual estimation of speed. Now, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous, but there's case law here in Ohio where a fairly new officer who actually was not certified to use his radar detector yet, uh, he was not certified on a radar device, but he was certified in visual estimation, uh, estimated somebody's speed, and they took the case all the way to the Ohio Supreme Court, and it was upheld. So case law in Ohio supports that police can visually estimate your speed and ticket you on that basis, which I think is a complete friggin' bullcrap. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, I would say it depends what cop you get. 
I went on a ride along with a cop and we were uh, using the laser diffuser, not laser diffuser. I'm sorry. I'm thinking like a criminal. We were using the laser gun and we were competing to see how far away we could hit a vehicle. And we ended up being able to hit a a car at about half a mile away. Now, from half a mile away, you cannot tell how fast they're going. And I asked him, I said, well, what about these laser diffuser things? And he's like, "Ah, I don't know. How do they work? And I explained it. And he just said, listen, if I don't have a number on my device, you're not speeding. So the majority of cops do not take speed enforcement seriously enough to care or to know that you're using a laser diffuser because there's a lot of ways to not get a legitimate reading on a car. You miss uh, if there's natural sunlight reflecting off the car. um, It's it's not easy to get a reading. You have to hit the car directly. So a lot of cops will just say, ah, screw it. I didn't see him. I didn't get a speed, so I'm just going to wait for the next guy because catching speeders is fairly easy. Most people just aren't paying attention. Uh, You will have the occasional Ohio trooper or (laughs) some other overzealous uh, uh, speed enforcement official that will, uh, or or revenue collectors, we like to call them sometimes, uh, that will pull you over anyway. But really, it's to buy you time. Right, So if you're paying attention and they're shooting from a, a far distance and you have good diffusers, then you'll get a few seconds and that's all you need to get your speed down so that by the time you're close enough for them to visually estimate your speed, you aren't speeding. And that saved us many, many times. And most times we actually see the cop before they even get a laser reading on us because again they're expecting people to not be paying attention they're being lazy they're just going ah well 500 feet away got him got him didn't get him back to tiktok so yeah it's i think they're a very great tool especially in states like ohio that use instant on radar and primarily use laser um and it Yes, it is. It's it's to keep them from getting an accurate reading so that you have time to get down to the speed limit. Good question. Ready for the next? Mm-hmm. Boom. Next question is from Mr. Lovrack. Lovrack, whatever. For under $50,000, which automatic transmission 911 would you recommend? I've seen high mileage 997.2 PDKs in that range along with Tiptronic 996 turbos. Also, lots of other lower mileage stuff in, in between, even 964-993 cabriolets. I'm a diehard manual guy, but this would be also be a car that my wife will use. So it's safe to say he's nuts for sticks. Um, one you didn't talk about would just be a, a Tiptronic uh, 997 uh, or a Tiptronic or PDK uh cayman uh, like a uh, 981 cayman with a pdk would be a fantastic car um i think uh, over the long term the tiptronics are more reliable i'm not a mechanic so i can't speak to that data but uh you're not dealing with clutches um the pdk i, I mean I, i've had high mileage pdks and they were great but the clutches can wear out and it's more expensive to replace um, but no, I, I've had a, I've had a 997.2 PDK as a daily driver is fantastic. Uh, 981 Cayman with a PDK would be great. And 997 with a Tiptronic, 
would be awesome. Uh, nine nine seven turbo Tiptronic. Whoa, that would be a great car. That that the Tiptronic turbos actually sold. They were more desirable when the nine nine seven turbo came out in terms of the the premiums they were fetching over sticker because all the tests showed that the Tiptronic turbo was faster zero to sixty than the manual. And that's kind of always been the case with automatic transmissions. Nobody can shift as fast as a computer, but that's a very robust transmission in a very fast car. That's a, a solid daily driver. So uh, I guess that's not really under fifty grand. They used to be for a Tiptronic one, but sorry, I was thinking under hundred grand. But yeah, uh, uh, one one of those would be good. I had something else to say along those lines, but I don't remember. So we'll move on. Oh, I. I the, the one thing I would say about that is the biggest drawback to the PDK, in my opinion, is the stupid friggin' like slider buttons where you push forward to shift up and pull back to shift down. And every other car, it's like the right is up and the left is down. So you got to get the sport steering wheel with the paddles and you can install that into any car with the slider buttons. But that is the, the biggest, best modification you can do to make a PDK suck less. The next question is from Tuskihatsu. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. You what probably you, did. <laughs> what's your thoughts on all-wheel drive Porsches? They're great for other people. But I'm... T- well, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm a rear-wheel drive guy. I, like, I actually like old tires on my cars. <laughs> other than snow tires, right? <laughs> I, I want good snow tires. But I love driving around with rock hard old tires and I love rear wheel drive cars because I like sliding around all the time and you can't, uh, yeah, you can only go so fast on the street. And if you have an all wheel drive car with brand new tires, the, the traction limit is so much higher that you have to be going so much faster to slide it around a corner. So I love rear wheel drive Porsches because it, it forces me to be a better driver and to learn the car. Um, all wheel drive is heavier it has more of a tendency to understeer. So yes, they are better in snow, but again, they're less fun. Um, I at least like Porsche's all wheel drive system because it is rear biased. I've sold a lot of other really cool all wheel drive cars that I wanted to keep, including an Audi RS2 Avant because the all wheel drive system was too much front biased. And I, it was so hard to get them to slide. And I felt like I was driving a front wheel drive car. So I appreciate that they feel like a rear wheel drive car in low traction situations, but, um, and I think they're great for most people. Um, they, they do have more traction. They do have more grip, but I'll take the lightness and, you know, uh, I'll take driving skills over all wheel drive. (laughs) Well, I like Cayenne, so they're all wheel drive. That's a Porsche, not a Porsche. (laughs) Next question is from Colin two, four, seven, seven. I have a 997.1. Is it possible to install cold seats? Yep. I don't know if they'll work, but yeah, you can install them. It's just a few bolts. The next question from Into Rogue. On the VinWiki story, Arnie said that 2539 felt too easy, like it wasn't going to count. How do you feel about 2539 versus 2725? Are you more proud of, of one run or versus another? Uh, 2725 for me will always be the run that meant something. Um, man, I had a really great quote about this. Um, I can't remember how I summarize it. It I think it was 
2725 was an accomplishment and 2539 was proving something. So it took six years to break Ed's record, which broke another record that was seven years standing. And it was kind of like a lifetime achievement award, right? We spent all this time dreaming and planning and building the car and planning the route and breaking out in cold sweats whenever we found out somebody else was going for the record and hoping they didn't make it because we wanted to be the ones that broke the record next. And we were, and it was a huge sense of accomplishment. It was a massive celebration for each other. And then COVID happened and it kind of changed the game. And that's not to take away anything from, from the people that ran during COVID. It's just, it was different. And so it's more like, okay, well, they did it. We have to go and just show like, okay, Arnie and I are still the fastest and we can do it when there's not much traffic also. So yeah, it it's it means something to still hold the record, but 2725 will always be the one that that I'll celebrate and that I'll remember and that I'll talk about. Gotta wipe a tear from my eye. That was beautiful. <laughs> the next question is from Casey Putch. Doug, do you do they really help? I figured it'd just get too reliant on them and end up busted. So I just keep my eyes peeled. That goes back to the first question. Oh, radar detectors. Yes. Laser jammers and stuff. Okay. I wasn't sure if he was talking about, you know, raincoats or what. But bunny uh, rabbits. Bunny rabbits. <laughs> I super reliant on bunny rabbits. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, it depends where you are. Uh, some places, if they use instant on or laser, then it's kind of pointless. Um, but your eyes only do so much. And it's, it's the one moment of distraction that you roll into the throttle and you don't have a radar detector. That is when you get a ticket. So I think it's a great tool. You have to understand it. You have to understand what enforcement tactics your local departments and wherever you travel uses. But I think they're a good tool for anybody that likes driving spiritedly. The next question is from Nick goes fast, but does he maybe <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out soon. It was great to see. A, it was great to get a little insight into how your wife views your shenanigans last week. But she knew what she was signing up for and made a choice to be with you anyway. Your parents are stuck with you regardless. What are your opinions on your career to date and recreational activities like Cannonball? I like how recreational activities is on quotes on 420. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. So I, my parents do not love Cannonball. They probably love it less than my wife. Um. And I used to get asked questions about that when we broke the record. And I keep referring to my family and how they felt in these interviews. And then people got all confused when I was talking about my parents. And they're like, well, you're not 16. We were talking about your actual family, like your wife and kids. So um, <laughs> I've always been very close with my parents. Um, so their input and their opinion really matters but I also had to take a step back and say, okay, I am an adult and 
you know, my family is my wife and whatever we decide together is what's right. And my parents did express their concern with the optic of running cannonball and how that, um, how that didn't align, I guess, with, uh, a professing Christian. And we had some discussions about it and, you know, they didn't say, you know, you have to stop this or you're grounded because they, you know, they don't have that position of authority in my life, but they do have a strong position of influence still. Uh, so I do take their opinions to heart and, um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I think my dad has actually gotten more, uh, flack about my cannonball exploits than I have from people around him that are not supportive of it. And, and he's had to say like, Hey, my son isn't me. He's an adult. Like, you know, he's choosing to do these things like, you know, why are you making this my problem? So I, you know, I, we have discussions about it and they're friendly and they're, they're good. And I love my parents and I respect their influence. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not, they're not super supportive of cannonball stuff. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Office, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our Switch Cars dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save a whopping 25.39% at checkout. Okay, I realized at the beginning, <clears throat> so we are giving this Redenzo DS1 away to the best, as chosen by our producer, call-in question or live stream question tonight, and we are going to get to those now. And I forgot to give away the phone number to call in, but we have a caller anyway who figured it out. The phone number to call in is 216-294-4124. 216-294-4124. And we have a whole bunch of questions. Holy crap, Mark, you have your uh work cut out for you. Uh scroll up. Uh Tyler DeJohn asked like eight questions. He only pick one. But you anyway, only get one. Starts with Henry Collins. We already answered his question, but uh, we do have a caller. We're going to go to Sean in Canada. Hi, Sean. How you doing? That's doing good. How about yourself? Good, thanks. Good. Have they let you out so of you jail up there yet? The, uh, it's only on Tuesdays um, <laughs> and Wednesdays. Uh, you mentioned not having the phone number, but someone had the forethought to put it in the video description. So shout ah, out to whoever that was. Thanks, Ethan. Okay, so I've, this is a bit of a loaded question, but you're no stranger to Cannonball. And so you mentioned planning for the drive of your life, um, but, you, but some things happen in the moment and can't be planned. And you, you know well there's a lot going on when driving. So my question is this. For an unforeseen circumstance that arose at triple digits, what's the hardest decision you've had to make during a Cannonball? unforeseen circumstance um man it, you make it sound like an ethical question like those things where you have to flip the railroad switch to kill a hundred people or kill one person um 
Yeah, all of the unforeseen circumstances have been law enforcement related. We've been really, really fortunate. We've never had close calls with animals. We've never really had any close calls of any sort on cannonballs other than people like, you know, deliberately swerving into our lane uh, because they didn't like that we were passing them quickly. But there was no difficult decisions that I remember having to make. Um, Yeah, that's a tough question to answer. Like my only, I don't know. I don't know. Expand on the question a little bit more because I like, I've never had to make an ethical decision or a difficult decision. It's always just been reactions and and there's never been any really close call. I've had far more close calls and scary, you know, Oh crap moments Mm -hmm. driving normally than I ever had at triple digit speeds, honestly. And that's like, that's the whole philosophy behind cannonball is when you're driving at a high rate of speed in a focused manner, not just like out there street racing or being an idiot, but like, it's really, really safe. That makes sense. So I'll, I'll, I'll nix the triple digit part and just bring it back to cannonball. Cause you've mentioned, uh, where on 27, 25, the car had an issue with the octane of fuel and the elevation in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You said you had an issue in the S6 with the tires. You, you, um, the idler pulley on the Insight recently. Mm-hmm. And so when something like that springs on you in the moment, because Cannonball is all about planning, and those things don't go according to plan. And so what is, do you have a process for planning something or like working through something that happens like that? Yeah, I, I think it all starts before you go. One is redundancy in terms of, okay, we know things are going to go wrong, so we're going to have eight of everything. And so that, you know, Arnie and I have good, uh, I wouldn't say heated discussions about it. We, we have We have good, lively discussions about, you know, whether or not we're going to have a spare tire or more fuel capacity you know arnie always gives me crap for packing too heavily and i'm like i want three radar detectors in case two go bad and you know things like that so so there's there's planning for those eventualities arnie is is the mechanical over planner where you know idle idle or pulley aside we'll let that one go he's 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 he wants cars to be over prepared as do i um and the other decisions are just kind of you have to decide beforehand what is important, right? So that there's there's nothing more important than safety. So if a decision comes up where it's safety or push through because we have concerns about a tire, concerns about a noise or whatever, the record is not as important as doing it safely. So I think every decision and every difficult circumstance we encounter on the run with mechanical failures or whatever concerns about continuing or not continuing starts before we even leave. An eloquent answer to a loaded question. Thanks. I'm bulletproof. Loaded. Get it? Loaded. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go back to my maple syrup. (laughs) Yes. Spoken like a true Canadian. Awesome. Uh, do you do you best. like dark or light maple syrup? What's what's your flavor? Oh, dark. Okay, it's not even a question. I, it is a question. It's absolutely a question. It's they're both from real someone, maple from, syrup. In Ohio, maybe. 
No, I'm from Maine. <laughs> we get our maple syrup in friggin' ball jars with you know Sharpie on them, saying Tom and Ellie family syrup because it's my uncle. He, this this is a real question for syrup aficionados. Let's be a fight about this. We could. This is a very sticky subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where's, where's the drum set on that? <laughs> Take care. Awesome. All right. Thanks, John. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you'd like to call in and try to win this Redenzo radar detector with an amazing question, you can call in 216-294-4124. We're going to go to the live stream questions now, rapid fire, and I'm going to get my drum set. I've needed it. I could just use my voice. But I'm... T- go, go for okay. it. Okay. Uh, this question is from Tyler DeJohn. Doug, do you think the, the car market resembles a Dutch tulip scenario? When do you think the party will end? No, I think the crypto market resembles a Dutch tulip scenario. I don't even know what that is. You don't know what Dutch tulips are? I it, only it know the a, other Dutch. Uh, go look it up. It was a it was a craze where people, I guess in in Holland, were collected tulips, and it was a huge craze, and people were paying crazy amounts of money for tulips. I don't know why. But, you know, it's the Beanie Baby thing. It's, you know, NFTs, whatever. People will fight me on that. But, no, I don't think the car market is a Dutch tulip scenario. I think there's a lot of speculation involved. But cars have intrinsic value both in the sum of their parts and as a transportation mechanism and what they do for people in terms of pleasure. Like, they, they are, in a sense, assets. So... And very real assets, but the car market will go up and down with the wind, for sure. But no, it's not a it's not a Beanie Baby or Dutch Tulip or NFT situation. The next question is from Calvin Schlager. Can you tell us a little bit about the sob that just broke the C to C C record? What? I don't know. I think Who? that's just a that's a blank question. Right I don't there. know. All right, that gets answered later. Maybe. I don't know what he's talking about. Next question is from Tyler DeJohn. I told you to pick one of his questions. <laughs> They're all good, though. <laughs> okay, That's the weird thing about it. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is like a raffle entry. You can only put one entry in. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this just la- this. I just I watched just this week my old 93 RX-7, which I sold in early 2020 to invest in land, get posted on eBay for $129,000. After selling it for fifty two five last month, it just doesn't seem s- sustainable, does it? It's got to be the most expensive FD. I, there's there's a lot of that happening. No, it doesn't seem sustainable. Not not at those levels. There will be a new norm. There will be a plateau somewhere. I don't know if there's going to be a crash, but no, that the dealers are throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. And they're gonna and and so far it's worked. So far it is stuck. So one of these days the music will stop. Use the last three months, used car values have been down by every metric. So the, the wholesale numbers at Mannheim have been down on a seasonally adjusted basis, January, February, March, and the first half of April. Now it's only by a percent here, two percent there. However, they are declining. 
Now, they keep saying, well, spring, spring's coming. We expect values to pick up in spring, but spring does not override a supply-demand issue. And if interest rates are going up and everybody has overspent their budgets, then, you know, ain't nothing spring's going to do about fixing the car market. And, and I've seen it before where dealers bought up like crazy in January, February. I think it was in 2010, and they all expected the market to go up in spring, and it didn't. Uh, usually it does, but you know we we may be experiencing a little experiencing a little bit of of pause in in buyer frenzy. Next question is from Nicholas. I would like to know what car each one of you drove there tonight. Thanks, gentlemen. I drove a C4 Corvette with a Doug Nash four plus three. You really drove that? Oh. Yes, I really oh. drove it. It gets like nine miles to the gallon because it's a friggin' 84 with a crossfire injection. It doesn't run very well. Um, but yeah, I look cool. Literally the worst Corvette ever made is the 84. So. And one of the worst <laughs> transmissions other than an automatic was the Doug Nash 4 Plus 3. It's basically a four-speed that every now and then goes into hyper overdrive and you don't want it to. Um, Spence, what did you drive? Oh, gosh. Everybody thought you drove the C4. Oh <laughs> uh, my my winter beater, which was a '98 ZR2 Blazer five speed. Uh, you're really proud of that one. It's for sale on Facebook Marketplace. Twenty five hundred dollars, three hundred thirty eight thousand beautiful miles. Yes, uh, Tyler drove an <laughs> Aventurin Green, one of sixteen remaining Porsche nine sixty eight. Uh, Dan Doucette, did you Dan? Did you drive your Land Cruiser? I can't see or hear him. I thought he drove the Lotus. I whatever. And Andrew, I think Andrew rode his bike with a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> what? What are you driving right now? What did you drive? Lotus. Lotus. Oh, Dan Doucette drove his Krypton Green Lotus Exige S220 or 240? S. S. Lotus Exige S. Okay. That's what we drove. Ethan, our producer, drove his friggin' Nissan Rogue. We're trying to make him into a car guy. Next question is from Neo Leo. I wonder where he's from. <laughs> Would a Charger Hellcat in white <laughs> with a lower Ethan, spec Ethan front just end? came out and gave me this look. <laughs> what? What? My, my stream's like a minute behind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, heard, I heard my name. What I, I was making fun of you. Oh, for you just realized that I'm making fun of what you drove tonight. But I said you are becoming a car guy, slowly but surely. It's an SL, if that counts for anything. SL. <laughs> it, that means it's, it's got heated seats. SL. I don't know. All right, continue. We'll get him something fun one day. Going back to Neo Leo. Would a Charger Hellcat in white with a lower spec front end and a bash bar be a good cannibal car? Maybe with a wonky looking roof rack and gray, of course. No. Gas mileage is abysmal on those. I mean, yeah, it'd be an okay car. Like we always talked about taking a Charger Hellcat and basically like taking the spoilers off and making it look like a Charger cop car. But. The last Charger didn't even make it to St. Louis. That was an old one, though, and it was a it was a base <laughs> one. I I don't know. I I think the gas mileage on those would would get you. And I don't know. Fred 
Ashmore said that he considered one, and apparently they're known for like the front ends will like the radiator will get so hot that it'll melt the front fascia or something like that and that's why he didn't use it i mean he didn't use a mustang either because he didn't actually go in the time that he said he did there's a lot of cars he didn't use no but um i don't know if that's true or not about that but um it's something we've considered i think it's just too big and heavy and an american car like I don't think they have the cooling system a European car does. Right. Nor the suspension to handle that, nor maybe the brakes. But, yeah, the gas mileage. Chargers only go on drag strips and do burnouts in parking lots. I think it'd be a good candidate. I don't think it's the best candidate. But, yeah. It's an idea. Maybe in the future. Why don't you try it out and let us know how it goes? Neo Leo. The next question is from Zane Price. What's the most stressful day you've ever experienced in the car business? Good Anything you would have done differently about that day? There's a lot of stressful days. There's been a lot. Um, frick. I mean, the most recent one was that I had to I had to fire a friend, and it was the worst friggin' it was the worst friggin' day ever. I, I'm like Michael Scott, right? Like I want everybody that works with me to love me and, and be my friend and everything to be awesome. And it was, yeah, I, I don't even want to go down that road, but the car business is like any other business. It has its ups and downs and, um, yeah. Uh, next question. <laughs> From D Chemist, tell me why I shouldn't cannonball my 83 CJ7. It's arguably the most unreliable, uncomfortable, poor handling, overpriced, high maintenance vehicle I own, and I absolutely love it. I don't get how it's unreliable because you can fix anything on that car with a screwdriver and a pair of du- and some duct tape. You just told me. You just answered your own question. You just told me why you shouldn't cannonball your Jeep CJ7. <laughs> I have no. You he doesn't want to go for a Jeep record because nobody else has ever done it in a Jeep. Um, that's that's pretty freaking funny. That gets one vote for question of the day for me. I don't I don't have the final say. Ethan does, but that's pretty freaking funny. If that's his decision, I like the bad decisions he likes to make. <laughs> me and him are one of the same. Mark likes the, the worst kind of bad decisions. <laughs> this. This is another question from Nicholas. My Mark, wife, Mark's, I, Mark's bad decisions have a name. <laughs> I'll see him in 18 years. <laughs> Nicholas, my wife, and I, <laughs> my wife and I are always going from Philadelphia, PA to Boston, Massachusetts. We like to drive fast. We that's usually only worst, have ways. That's on. That's the worst corridor to try to drive fast on. But I really in. want to get us a radar detector. Which one would be the best? Are you are you trying to win this? Um, frick! This is Philadelphia. A product, this is Boston. a product placement question. If, uh, no, well, no, it's a good question. But again, you have to know where you're driving. Philadelphia to Boston radar detector is going to be largely uh, irrelevant. Uh, so Pennsylvania State Troopers only run K band, and it's the same frequency as all the highway signs, and they're not allowed 
by state law to run it when they're moving. So they only set stationary traps, which are usually picked up by ways. Connecticut state police typically only run instant on or laser, and they're very freaking good at hiding. So radar detectors are almost useless there. Uh, Massachusetts does run KA. They're also very good at hiding and very good at their job. So um, I would just pay attention. It's really friggin' hard to speed in that quarter anyway because there's never not traffic. Like, there's literally never not traffic in New England. There's always somebody going to Maine for vacation or to get maple syrup. So I friggin' get laser diffusers, honestly, and a good attorney. The next question is from Mother Rabbits 09. What was the culture on the teams that helped you with your 27-25 and 25-39 runs? How did you create create buy-in to your cause across the board of de- to develop that culture? Hmm. I don't think we created any culture. I think it, it was it was a natural passion that exuded from both Arnie and myself where people just wanted to be involved. They, they saw what we were doing and they thought it was cool and you know, they wanted to do it, whether it was because of their own love of cannonball or just because, you know, they liked us and, you know, I guess Arnie and nobody really likes me, but yeah, Arnie's a, a lovable guy and they just, they wanted to help. They wanted to see us succeed. So I don't, I, it wasn't any, anything we set out to create or planned it was just we wanted to do it we had a love for it and we found people that aligned with that i I mean i think the best way to describe it was when i was calling clients around the country in the places we were driving through i'd start out with some small talk ask them how their car was doing and then i just ask them how they felt about cannonball and like nine out of ten were like oh yeah it's the coolest thing ever great you want to help us out with scouting. I never opened with you want to help us out with scouting because I had like the one out of 10 person that's like, oh, what's cannibal? It's kind of a waste of time. I was like, great, cool. Thanks. Uh, let's do some more business sometime and just didn't even bring it up. So it was, yeah, it's just natural. It just happened. Well, you guys single-handedly rebirthed it. So no, we didn't. I don't know. No, we didn't. Alex Roy, Ed Bolian, like, uh, they laid the foundation. I mean, we created more modern excitement for it. So, but we did not single-handedly rebirth it. I'm not taking credit for that. I love taking credit for things. But <laughs> The next question is from Joshua Boehm. What are some good candidates for 9-11 options that will be sought after in the future? The, rear, the coveted rear windshield wiper? <laughs> Uh, nine eleven options that will be coveted in the in the future. Mm. Heated seats, frick, I don't know. Sport seats, painted center console. I, I don't know. I, I guess I rebel against this question because it's a it's a it's about what will other people want in the future, so I can buy something that will be worth something to somebody else. It's like dating a you know like dating a girl that's a redhead because you're thinking in 10 years, other guys will like redheads. I, I don't know. Buy the options you want. All right. We got a call, uh, Jack from Philadelphia. 
Hi, Jack. Hi, Doug. My name's Jack. We know. Um, How's it going? What can we do for you? <laughs> uh, it's going good. Um, I have a question that I think you are uniquely qualified to answer. Great. Is it about my wife? Uh, no. No, I don't know enough about her. Um, so, I know you're an expert on Porsches and an expert on Cannonball. So is there a Porsche product or derivative or actually a Porsche that would be ideal for Cannonball? I know they make a lot of uh, sports cars and a lot of comfortable cars. Is there any one Porsche that you would just see as an ideal Cannonball car? Uh, I, I mean, I, I default to the 911 because I want to see a 911 succeed in Cannonball because there was a number of them in the original run that did not do overly well. They did okay, but... Um, there's a lot of people that have said a Panamera turbo is perfect, uh, but it's also a hatchback, so it's hard to put a lot of fuel in the back, and you'd have to, you know, vent it properly. Like I don't want to be in the same space as my fuel; I want a firewall. Um, but um, w w the Boston Brawlers, uh, uh, Chris from that team, I think has the right answer, which is the newest 911 turbo possible. Uh, because the newer 911s, the better, newer they get, the better fuel economy they get. They're easily capable of going 200 miles an hour smoothly and easily. Um, I bought a 997 Turbo with the intention of setting it up for Cannonball, but I just never did because I'm like, well, I, I'm not actually going to do a run. Um, they don't get fantastic gas mileage, and you can't put a ton of fuel into it like you can a German sedan, but I think that the performance uh, of the car, the reliability, the ability to cruise in it comfortably at, at high triple digit speeds would outweigh the need to you know stop a couple extra times for fuel. So some modern derivative, a 997 or newer turbo would be my answer to that. Thank you. I also have one little follow-up question. Sure. What would be the reason not to take a CTSV? That's like the one thing I think of. I love American cars, so that's just sure. the one thing I think of when I think Cannonball. Sure. Uh, I don't think there is a good reason. Uh, I think you could uniquely dis disguise it. Um, I, maybe the two reasons would be noise. Like that is not a quiet car if you add any power to it. Um, and I guess it depends if you're asking about the, the turbo CTSV or the, the V8 CTSV, cause I consider the V8 the only real one, but, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess in the V8, I'd be, no, nah, I wouldn't be concerned about gas mileage. They're an LS motor, so they should do pretty well. I, I mean, uh, yummy did a, a base, was it a CTS or an ATS? It was a four door. I know that. It right. Was like the I base think it model was a CTS. Um, one of our buddies did a, a sub twenty eight hour solo run during COVID. Um, it was a triangle. Dan's Dan's doing this. Hey. Okay. Fine. ATS CTS slightly smaller C class E class whatever. Um, so it was a triangle. He he proved <laughs> he, he was giving me these hand signals. Um. Is Christian scientist model. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he, he did it in ATS. So I think that proved the platform of, of a Cadillac sedan and, you know, a, a V is just 
a lot friggin' more power. So no, I I think that would be a good option for an American car. And I've always thought a Corvette would be a really good option. And, and a Corvette did do quite well. It's got an LS motor. It's got good gas mileage. They're slippery. Um, so I, yeah, I think that'd be a good option for, for a sedan. Cool. I'm vindicated. Thank you. Yeah, sure thing. Hope to see you out there. <laughs> oh, I don't have the balls. Thank you. <laughs> you only need two. All right. Thanks, Jack. Have a good one. <laughs> SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. And, and I have to mention, too, now Travis Bell was going to call in. So this, this is a melding of our two sponsors. But this Saturday, the 23rd, is the Celebrity Machines Backyard 400. This is a third-mile paved walking course in Travis Bell's backyard. And Travis, being a professional DJ and just an all-around people person knows how to throw a heck of a party. So this went from a few people coming in with with body-on-frame go-karts to, I don't know, like three, 400 people. Went from 40 people to 400 people. Well, there's there's like 40 people racing, but there's 400 people coming out. He's got bands. He's got a, he's got a mariachi band, a taco truck. Uh, the cops will be there. Like, it's it's going to be mental. And they are live streaming it. And I'm pretty sure they're using BoxCast. I have no idea where you can find the live stream. But there's a Facebook event for this thing. Just look up Backyard 400. I think there's a hashtag. It's probably on Facebook. It'll probably be on YouTube somewhere. Maybe it'll be on our channel. There's I, like 10 different YouTubers going to be there. I don't know. Well, we'll there's going to be a lot of YouTubers there. So just friggin' look up Backyard 400. It's happening this Saturday. I'll be racing an Oldsmobile Aerotech with a six and a half horsepower spec motor as required. And the prize is a Chevrolet Camaro Z24 Cavalier. No, it's a Camaro. It's a Cavalier. It's a Cavalier? It's a Cavalier Z24. Frick, I put more money into my <laughs> go-kart than the Cavalier's worth. All this time, I thought I was going for a Camaro. What? I'm out. Frick. Screw that. I'm just going to drink You know you beer. want that thing. No, I don't. I wanted a Camaro. Dang it. All right. Well, whatever. I'll be there. Mark Spence will be there. Some other people will be there. It's going to be lit. Next question. Oh, if you want to call in 216-294-4124, you might just win this Redenzo DS1. Next question is from the original Lugnuts. Is there a way to protect yourself when co-signing a car to a dealer? Do, oh, consigning. It's co-signing. Don't ever co-sign. Is there a way to protect yourself? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, th I think there's a combination of a number of steps. Uh, one is reputation. I'm not talking about online reputation. I'm talking about people who have done business with them who know them. There's a lot of really shady dealers out there. Uh 
that have glowing online reputations, but people in the car community will not touch them with a 10 foot pole. They're just respectful enough. You know, a lot of, a lot of car guys are old school and they don't post reviews online. Um, so the truth doesn't come out. So you want to network and find out what people who have dealt with them recently, who have dealt with them 10, 15 years ago, whatever, what they have to say about their dealings. Um, you know, look up, there, there's things that you can find out about the owners, about their financial picture, about their debt profile that, that you can find out online. Um, ask them pointed questions. Uh, the biggest thing is keep your title, uh, read their consignment contract, look up, look up the laws in your state, find out what your rights are, what their rights are. Um, yeah, do, do your homework. Um, I, yeah, that that's it. I, I mean, the, the biggest way to protect yourself is just consign your car to us because we're not going to run with the money because it's not worth it to me. The next question is from Henry Collins. I know Switch Cars doesn't have a floor plan, but I wonder what you think about regular dealers using one. GM, Ford, ETC, question mark. It just, it's a, I don't, think debt is a good thing and a floor plan is a really bad kind of debt it's like a lease versus a finance right like if you're going to go into debt for a car do a simple interest finance don't friggin lease it floor plan is a really really bad and expensive way to finance cars so i like again there's there's lots of really wealthy people that use floor plans and that's fine and they'll explain why it's better to use other people's money and stuff like that well I like to sleep at night, and the reason I went into business is so that I wouldn't have a boss. But bosses include banks and the government, and the government is my de facto boss because I have to operate within the rules and pay taxes. But I don't want a bank. I don't want to be beholden to a bank or to investors or anything. I want my business to be my business, and I want to be able to make my decisions based on what I think is right. So... other people can that's fine i don't fault them for it i just don't think it's the best way and and if things go bad if you don't have debt they can only go so bad you know (laughs) there's a lot of dealers out there that their entire inventory is floor planned yeah and i've seen i'm seeing a lot of lower dealers close down because of it yeah absolutely as warren buffett says when the tide goes out you'll find out who is skinny dipping and that's debt. Debt works great in a market that's flourishing, but when it corrects or when other things go wrong, there's more than just a, a, a market correction that can cause you to, to lose what you have. But anyway. Next question is from Neo Leo. What's your favorite manufacturer to work with? Mm, I don't work with manufacturers. I buy and sell used cars. Next question. Next question is from Fuzzy Cuffs Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. What was the main reason for st- stopping operations at your destination dealership in the lo- racetrack in Las Vegas? Oh, gosh. That's a personal one. That No, it's not. It's That's a good question. That is an entire episode. Um, 
there was like eight main reasons. I don't. I can't blame the economy for any of them, even though it was terrible timing because I opened the dealership in October of 2008. The main reason was I was 22 or three. I was a friggin' idiot. Um, I thought I knew how to run a business. I really didn't. Uh, I was married. My wife did not want to go with me. So she was still in Ohio. So I was flying back and forth. Um, the relationship with the landlord, the track was not as awesome as I had hoped. Um, man, it's just a lot of stuff. It was a very dark time for me personally. Um, and it just, I, I think all of those factors conspired to just, be the downfall. I mean, it, it was not well planned. It was not well thought out. It was rushed into, I had my head in the wrong space and yeah, just, there was no main reason. There was a bajillion reasons. Next question. Nick Kuhn, how would I get into the scene for scouting? I know it's got to stay protected for safety and making sure the wrong people aren't doing it. Well, how do I go about getting vetted to help? You have to scout for Fred Ashmore first. And if you can scout for him, you can scout for anyone. Uh, make friends. Really, that's it. We ask our friends. Um, and I don't know, like we make new friends through car stuff. And, you know, Mark Spence was a random Radwood friend and Donadel Dariush, who's been my co-driver and was our spotter for 2539. I met him at cars and coffee and he had a bunch of screens in his car and antennas. And so we became friends because we had the same interests. So just be interested in cannibal. Don't be interested in like, Oh, how do I be part of a record? Just be interested in it and you know, do things that align with your interests and eventually you'll meet those people and one thing will lead to another. And so, don't all, start off with, I'm going to beat your record. Yeah. That's a good way. Whatever. I mean, you can, but probably not going to call you to scout. <laughs> uh, next question is from Grant Hughes. I have a question regarding resale value. I'm currently in a W212 Mercedes E sedan with a bi-turbo V6. Would you recommend swapping an M135 V8 from a CL500, the sell for more with no new Merc V8s? No. No. That's that's not a good plan. Sounds like it'd be more expensive. Yeah, I, I mean, it, people people pay for originality. Just because there's no new Mercedes V8s this year doesn't mean they're going to pay for some random swap in an older car. W212, that's like late 2000s, right? That's a Dan question. I think it's late 2000s. Anyway, no, 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 no. Leave it original because you will not get your money back on a swap. That's do it. If you want a V8, do it because you want it. But then I just say, just go buy one. Uh, maybe there isn't a V8 available. I don't know. But it, it's it, Mercedes not making new V8s is not going to affect a car 20 years old. It's affecting the two-year-old, the three-year-old AMG cars. And even then, that market has softened a little bit. So there's the initial, oh my gosh, you're not going to make any anymore. I've got to way overpay for cars. And then all the people that thought that way bought their cars. And like, I'm not saying it's going back to reality, but it's not 
the height of the craze. And then as soon as you do that, they're going to announce that they make a V8 again. And Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, okay. The next question is from Stephen Schwartz. Will there be more cheap, slow car cannonballs like the 2904 or musket ball? And are these open for non-cannonballers to join? <laughs> it seems like a great way to do it without much investment or risk. Uh, John Ficarra at the end of the musket ball said with an interesting expression on his face there, this is the last one. There will be no more, which we all took with a grain of salt. I am sure there's always going to be something. There is something next year, but that's not open to newbies for obvious reasons as we're trying to avoid liability. Um, there were very few people that never did it on the musket ball. Right. Right. Um, but there were people who kind of proved themselves really to get invited. Sure. Yeah. Honestly, the, the best way to get into the community is to go do it yourself. There's people, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say this cause I don't know their background and stuff like that, but um, everybody I know like Sean Petter and Nick Kruger um, and uh, the, the Lexus guys and they just went out and did something. I mean, they were on the Facebook group or whatever, but there's a lot of people on there that talk and talk about doing records and everybody's all talk and we don't take people seriously who are all talk. So if you want to be in the community, if you want to get invited to one of these things, go out, prep a car and drive across country. And it doesn't have to be a 30 hour run. You just have to do it and show like, Hey, I can do this. I take this seriously. I did this. I did this without being an a-hole and I did it slightly faster in Google maps and I had a good time and that's how you become part of the community. I guess it's kind of your initiation. And I feel like every couple of months there's this one person that messages everybody who's done it. And every time yeah. they message them, it's a different story for every person. Right. And that's, that's the stuff you don't really need around. Right. Again, they're all talk that everybody's trying to get in, but it's really easy to get in. Just go do it. Next question. Just do it. <laughs> Copyright Nike. Licensed for crap. I probably can't monetize this thing now. now because I said <laughs> copyright and phrase. Okay. Next question from the original Lug Nuts. Where do you see the car market going in the next 12 months? Forward. Next question. From Henry Collins. Is a radar detector the best modification you make to a car? If not, what is the no. best modification you can make to a car? Uh, the best modification is tuning the tool between the driver's seat and the steering wheel. From JGL I'll, I'll give you guys a minute on that one in case you didn't get it. From JGL25, is there any update on you your pursuit for the red Pratt & Miller C6RS? Or have you washed your hands of that? Um, I've left the owner a couple messages, and that's a whole backstory in case you haven't heard that one of seven C6RS, KTEC 8.2 liter, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I have located the owner. I've left him a couple messages, which he has not returned. Another friend of mine who's also a Corvette collector who recently sold me a Callaway C12 and who owns a C6RS has spoken to the guy, and I guess it is just not for sale until 
some random auction, which I can't fault the guy. Uh, it's just frustrating to me sometimes when he has legitimate buyers pursuing him for the car, and then he's just saying, "Like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell, send it to some auction because it'll just go crazy." And it's like ninety percent of cars at these big time collector collector car auctions, and including bring a trailer, do not go for the crazy money that people expect. And me and this other guy that have been hounding him are probably going to be the two high bidders. And we're not stupid and we're not going to bid against each other. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't love his tactic, but whatever. It's his car, not mine. So, was that one of those like auction no millionaires problem. who just go and just buy a bunch of cars and sell a no, bunch of cars and I, go from auction to auction? Like, he's, uh, he's, uh, He's nobody anyone has ever heard of in the car space. He's just a guy who owns a business and has some cars. And that's like, that's the best way to be. It's just call the people back who are interested in your car. And anyway, so no, gotten nowhere with that. Next question from Ren Henry. Doug, if you could create your perfect car of the 2000s using components of existing cars, what would it be? Example, Metzger engine, C5Z06 chassis, Phaeton interior, etc. LS motor. Uh, from the 2000s? Frick. Uh, I just take, I ooh, I take a Carrera GT motor and a Carrera GT. That's the perfect car of the 2000s. No, but since you asked, I don't know, I'd probably take an LS motor with a six-speed manual and a 2002 Mercedes SL500, old body style, the R129. Make it a real sport, because I love the body style. I think they're beautiful, but they're not a sports car. So, yeah, that would be my, my cheap answer. I like how he said the Phaeton, because I love to hate those cars. Yeah, that, that would not be my choice. Next question is from, from GearGuy2001. Do you have a short list of daily drivers you would consider for thirty dollars to $35,000 budget? Decent Highway MPG at plus. Oh, yes. Um, a Porsche Corvette C5. Um, a Lamborghini Corvette C6. And a Corvette C5. <laughs> it's 30 miles to the gallon. Highway, they're reliable, they're fun, they look cool. I'll I, always remember that car and driver or road. And, one of them did a, a a a hybrid challenge, and they threw a Corvette in there. It was like twenty hybrids and a Corvette, and the Corvette beat them all. <laughs> I was back in like oh six oh seven. I think they did that article. I, those cars do not get their due because <laughs> of their owner profile, and I like I've tried to talk friends into it. And it's like Porsche Cayman or Corvette C5. I'm like, dude, the Corvette's better by every single metric. Ah, uh, but I just don't want to. I don't want to be that guy who owns a Corvette. And I'm like, then don't be that guy. Buy Nikes instead of New Balance. Where go to the Porsche Design Store and buy a Corvette? I don't know. It's no. I Cayman's a great car. Yes, and that's a good option for daily driver under thirty five grand. But I. I don't see how much better it gets than a Corvette C5 for an actual sports car. There's a bajillion sports sedans you could buy. I just, I don't know. I feel like you're giving up when that's, well, okay. It's that or a minivan. You have kids. I don't have to worry about that. 
Next question. I like this guy's name. Aztec Scooters. What is the most realistic, practical, and affordable way for an average person not cannibaling to avoid tickets in a jurisdiction where authorities primarily use lasers? Uh, a laser diffuser. Or don't speed. No, a laser diffuser. <laughs> <laughs> if they primarily use laser, get a laser diffuser. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that was an easy one. Next question. <laughs> this is from Jim Piper. For a first red ball to Portofino trip and all other things being equal, if you had a choice of a 2011 Cayenne Turbo, a 2012 C63 Coupe, or a 2019 Z06, should I bring a cop friend? This guy just named his driveway. What What does bringing a cop friend have to do with it? Is that a separate question? A 2012 C63 gas mileage would be terrible. Uh, a t what year was the Z06? 19. Or a Cayenne Turbo. I would take the Z06. i take the Z06. If you're doing it for fun, I would take the Cayenne. You can bring a couple friends with you. Those cup holders. Yeah, it's just not as cool, I guess. It's like, okay, I took my SUV to drive across country. Like, but he gets a record. You wouldn't have it. <laughs> no. If he takes the Z06, you'll have the Z06 record. Who freaking cares? Yeah, a Z06 all day long. Next question is from Aztec Scooters. Preferred bourbon vermouth combo for a Manhattan? Uh, I'm not so fancy that I know which vermouth goes in my Manhattan, but... Uh, I usually prefer rye Manhattan bullet rye is decent. Um, I mean, makers is just a good standby for a Manhattan. Like, I, yeah, you can get crazy and get fancy with it, but whatever it's, I think it's more about the mix. No ice. Got to have it up. All right. No more duplicate questions for people. We got to let everybody have a chance at this radar detector. So if they've asked one question, I got that's one all more they question. Get. Okay. All right. Well, just from Frick. <laughs> Cooper Astro, no expectations to win the detector on this one. Did you ever come Give around on liking detector. the roof-mounted no. <laughs> thermal scoop scope? Get the bugs lined out. Um, I liked it. I don't think it was a game changer. I I think it was a really useful tool. Um, I I was annoyed with it on our southern trail run, which is Jacksonville to San Diego, and that was the first time we used it. I was annoyed with it because. We stopped to put it back on when we didn't really need it because we were relying on it so heavily, and that cost us more time than it saved. Um, but no, I, I think I think it was a really good tool. I don't think it saved us, but it's kind of like saying the CB doesn't save us, so we never use it again. Like there will be that time that it does save you, and I think it's I think it's worthwhile. I wouldn't put all my weight on that, but I think it's good. So. Uh, Bill from Ohio is on the line here. Bill, thanks for being on the line. Hi, how are we doing? Good, how are you? I'm all right. My question was, you know, there's a time when cars just weren't collectible. Mm -hmm. And if you thought there might be a time when they aren't collectible, you know, in the future. That is... 
is a good question. Um, I, I think we've reached a point of critical mass, both with auction companies marketing them so heavily and with people getting to a certain level of wealth where they're looking to be in alternative investments that we'll never see those days again. I I think that each era of car will ebb and flow um, as generations come and go in in terms of how collectible they are and how desirable. Um, And I think as political climates change, that will also cause people to stop caring about certain cars as investments because they're just not, you know, they came to political pressure or or societal pressure. But I, I I think those days are long gone. There's too much information out there. There's too many people trying to take advantage of potential opportunities. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's it's just the the market is different. An alternative investment, you know? Yeah. 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 So now good question. I, I, I wish the answer was yes, because there's lots of cars I like to buy that I just want to own that I don't care about them being collectible, but there's too many people with far more money than I have that also want those cars for different reasons. And I guess I can't fault them for their reasons. Well, I can fault them for the reasons because I have a microphone, but it's, it's not going to change the fact that they can (laughs) afford to buy the cars. And I can't. Yeah. And the same here with the air cool VW stuff. I don't understand how those got so, you know, expensive, but there they are. Yeah, well, those guys in Malibu have to have something to to run and get their their gluten-free bagels with, so. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. Thank you for the call, Bill. Great question. Yep, have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Good? Is there another call? No. question? Okay. I'm I'm defaulting to you. Um, I'm going to butcher this name again. Subsuzio Naduzio. Nadumzio, whatever. Good job, Mark. Yeah. I'm not laughing yeah, at the name. English. I'm laughing at you trying to pronounce it. <laughs> Doug, I'm a fan of the white Adidas shoes you usually wear. What are they called? Sambas. Same thing Freddie Mercury wore. Everybody thinks I play soccer. Uh, not very good at it. Anyway. Yeah. Oh. They don't hurt my feet. <laughs> the next question is from An- Adam Bruton. Bruton. I don't know how to say his last name. With prices coming to to rise, what do you recommend for a fun enthusiast car under for, for under ten thousand dollars or less? Doesn't have to be a rocket or a track monster, but fun. Uh, Corvette C four, <laughs> uh, Mazda Miata. Those are fantastic cars for under ten grand. Uh, I'm sure every Maserati produced before 2000 is still under 10 grand. If your idea of fun is, is having beers with your mechanic, uh, man, fun enthusiast car. Saab, the rabbit GTI rabbit GTI. There you go. What about like the a Golf Saab, or can you get a Saab nine, three Viggen for under, you 10 can grand? buy every Saab for under $10,000. <laughs> Uh, a Porsche Boxster, a 986 Porsche Boxster. 
you could get for under ten grand still. Uh um, a good WRX. That's a oxymoron. Wow. What? They're all friggin' rusty and owned by hooligans. Not who- mine. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> yes, yours is owned by a hooligan. Uh yeah. 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 Corvette C four. <laughs> got one. Sixty nine hundred bucks. Paid for it. Next one. I'm out of questions. Good. Okay. <laughs> well, it's time for the props and the flops. All right. Our producer, Ethan, is going to pick the winner shortly here and get back to me after the props and flops. Our props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. Our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory, Mark's pick of the week, is... So much pressure. Um, the C12 Corvette. The Callaway C12 is up on Bring a Trailer, ending tomorrow. One of 19 produced. This is not your grandma's modified Corvette. This is a ground-up build inspired by the C12R race car that took pole position at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Carbon fiber and Kevlar body LS motor, obviously, widened by five and a half inches, uh, custom suspension uh, engineered by IVM. I don't even know where to begin or end on this car. It, go read up on the history of Callaway and the C12. It is truly a, a coach-built car, not just a modified Corvette. Anyway, so that's good Good call. That's a very cool car. All right. Our flop of the week. Oh, man. Uh, According to the Driven uh, online magazine, not to be confused with the drive, uh, these two dudes are going for the electric cannonball motorcycle record. But they're both going at the same time. One is leaving from New York. One is leaving from California. And they're basically going to cross paths. So it's a race with each other, but also to try to beat the record. Now, there's a whole bunch of things going on in this, right? So in the article, uh, let's see. The article talked about how they're trying to prove uh, the viability of electric vehicles and this is how they prove it. They're on their website. They talk about how this is a zero emissions, zero noise run celebrating Earth Day. Now, this is freaking stupid. There is there's no way there's zero emissions and zero noise. They're emitting so much noise about this run. They're getting corporate sponsors. They've got this fancy website. They're having articles written about them. They have support vehicles. They have all this crap, right? When we went out to do the Cannonball record, yes, we had people helping us. We didn't make any friggin' noise about it. We just went out and did it. And by the way, when you have support vehicles, you're emitting a lot of emissions. And by the way, the batteries making this, the charging stations, blah, blah, blah. This is not a zero emissions run. This just means you're not pushing crap out of your tailpipe. I, I have a lot more to say about this. I think it's stupid. Especially the fact that they are trying to prove the viability of EVs, but the 
the, the current cross country electric motorcycle record is 178 hours and 17 minutes. That's like friggin' longer than Cannonball Baker's motorcycle run in like 1911. So there is nothing viable about this. But, you know, the driven is this like EV, you know, earthy, whatever futuristic magazine. And, and, uh, the, the author of the article, his preferred mode of transport, as as claimed in his bio, is his feet. Yeah, good for you. Me too. Me too. My right foot on the gas pedal and my left foot on the clutch. It's a good thing they call themselves the driven because they obviously have no interest in driving themselves. So anyway, these guys are charging across America very, very freaking slowly. Um, trying to set the slowest freaking cannibal record on the planet. Um, yeah. In contrast, the prop of the week, our own Mark Spence oh, God. and Nick Charlie Kruger and Wesley James set a new coast-to-coast-to-coast record, that is New York to L.A. to New York this week, in 65 hours and 28 minutes, beating the previous record set by Chris Clemens and Mark Spence of 74 hours and 5 minutes. And good golly, they did it in a sob. There's so many jokes I have for this that I'm going to save for when they come on the podcast next month. But let's just say, if somebody called them into the cops, it would have been sobterfuge. If they broke down, it would have been a real sob story. If the cops were out there trying to catch speeders, they missed out on some Swedish fish. Anyway, I, think I hate this is, you. Uh, <laughs> I think this is hilarious, right? 178 hours is the current electric cannibal record. In this sob, they went across country. Talk about the viability of internal combustion engines, right? They went across country and back in like a third of the time. Literally, they could have gone from New York to L.A. to New York to L.A. to New York to L.A. to New York before a friggin' electric motorcycle made it. <laughs> one direction across we are not there yet in terms of the viability of electric cars not even friggin close now i'm curious to see what they do i'm sure they'll take a lot of time off of that record um but yeah it's still slow and it's dumb because and i think they left monday they probably did so they should be there by now well when we left monday we ran into a giant snowstorm in PA and we're stuck for four hours. Oh. What's an electric bike going to do in that? Yeah, nothing. Anyway. Their service truck picked them up. Did you have a support vehicle? No. Oh. Mm. Only have, my friends have, support did have, me. Did you have sponsors? No. Did you have a website? No. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, props to you guys. Only 65 hours and 28 minutes. They will be on SwitchCast coming up soon. Um, all right. Ethan. What do we got? Who wins this radar detector? Hey, yeah, okay. So I uh, I do want to clarify one thing. You said I drove here in a Nissan Rogue. It was a Murano. Um, so Same also, thing. <laughs> um, with, uh, with that in mind, wanted to give a quick shout-out to Neo Leo for asking if it was a cross cabriolet. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good question. It's a very, very good question. So thank you, Neo Leo. Um, that was good. Gave us all a laugh here. 
two honorable mentions. Um, Ron Henry asking about uh, your perfect car build of the 2000s. I thought thought was good. That was a good question. And uh, and Bill coming in with the uh, with the call asking if cars will ever not be collectible. That was an excellent question. I thought that was really really good. Yeah. But my pick and the winner of this DS1 is uh, Jordan Madkins, a.k.a. Mother Rabbits 09, asking about the culture of the cannonball and how you created buy-in within that community. I really like that question. I I didn't see... That was not one that... That was a good question. It's a Cinderella story, man. Yeah, that was not like the the one that stood out to me. So that's that's probably good that I wasn't picking him. That's a good one. All right, Jordan, I hope you're still watching because you just won a Redenzo DS1. Uh, yeah. So comment, send us your address. Don't post it online and we'll send you out your radar detector. Thank you all for watching. We are going to be back next week. Oh, we got a special one next week. We have the solo rental cannonball record holder next week. I know that's kind of a cliffhanger. The solo rental cannonball record holder will be on with me next week. Anyway, don't bug me about it. But uh, thank you, Mark Spence, for reading my questions. It thank was an you honor. to Redenzo Radar for providing the radar detector for our our callers here. Thank you, Ethan Huffnagel, for producing and call screening. Thank you to our sponsors, Boxcast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. with the Solo Cannonball Rental Record Holder. And hope to see you at Travis Bell's Backyard 400 this weekend as well. Uh, We'll look forward next week to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life. Thank you for joining us.